losing. That's the point. They know that they're losing because they're now coming up against more and more Western kit, more Western weapon systems, fully integrated in a combat arms strategy and operational tactics come into play, the less they will make headway. They're stalling. This is why Shoigu gives out medals. This is why Shoigu now says they should attack. Let them come. They're toast. They know it. Yeah, Hi- Mars was definitely like, it was the major change. I know when, uh, you know, precision long-range artillery was introduced, people thought it was a significant uh, effort, but to, in a way that was tit for tat, right? Like that is the Russian way of war, the god of war, as they say. Like, But the American way of war is precision combined arms and long-range standoff weaponry uh, in bounding effect. Uh, you know, mechanistically and like intelligently designed around your max engagement range plus timelines to set up, and it's effectively something you can't uh, overcome if you, if you employ it correctly, which the Ukrainians have shown time and time again a substantial ability to take a weapon system they were never trained on, and and frankly is completely opposite to the doctrine that they were trained on up until 2014's, you know, rearrangement of training and utilize it in a way that is uh, either in alignment or even better than uh, Western training. So like uh, high Mars itself, I think that, that is a massive chain. As long as we keep uh, providing ammo for it, it's really hard to kill them. And that's why uh, much, much more ammo should be provided and specifically the attackums as well. Right make it even more difficult for them to uh, pick out those timers and even a uh, much greater effect way behind the lines as well. Um, thank you, Austin. I'll, I'll circle back to you and uh, I'll, I'll have some more questions for you in a minute. Uh, but let's go to Vernon and JJ who had their hands up for a while. Vernon. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, it's, and ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, a great listen this evening, Saturday night here where I am in Melbourne. And uh, I'm just... Scribbling a couple of notes down, and uh, it just occurred to me, you know, that we're, we 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 really overestimated Russia, I think, in terms of their capability, um, and that's that's you know evident uh, by what we see on the battlefield. And I think they seriously underestimated uh, us and and the response. And I just I, I think that's quite interesting. <laughs> Has there ever been? sort of a historical event of this magnitude where the two parties have gone in with just completely the wrong kind of uh, assessment of, of each other's capabilities. Um, yeah, just a Saturday night thought to, uh, to put to the panel. Thank you. I mean, I uh, think that when the Soviets went into Finland, they thought they were, uh, that, that was going to be easy. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, Ante, are you, yeah are you... they did. Where's Antti when you need them? Or MP? Uh, I would love their their thoughts on it. That would have been exactly my example. Is that a feature of the bad guys? Do they always sort of go in with this type of bravado and then the good guys are sort of more passive and under uh, overestimating perhaps the uh, abilities of the, the enemy? Over. Yeah, uh, maybe some some of the time, perhaps. Uh, uh, let's hope Ocean jumps back up in, in, a, in the next few minutes. Um, Maybe, uh, but certainly in this case, and uh, I'd say certainly, uh, c- certainly in the you know in the context of Russia and various you know Russian uh, Russian imperial escapades over the years, um, I think they got they got pooped on the head a few times, right? Japan, perhaps, right? The the Russian the Russo-Japanese war might be might be another case, I'd say. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess uh, yeah, the point that I was. That, that flowed from that um, was perhaps Russia just inherited this this belief because the Soviet Union at a time was strong, intimidating, threatening, and I think they inherited a lot of that sort of belief, but uh, it didn't exist because this because Russia, without a lot of the states that left, <laughs> case in point, Ukraine, which gave them a lot of strength militarily and technologically. Uh, I guess you know, without them, uh, yeah, they were not as big or strong as they uh, thought they were. Anyway, that was all I wanted to contribute at this point this evening. Thank you. I'm enjoying. Thank you, Ren. 
I, I think those are I think those are good points, and <laughs> I'm glad that Ashton and I came up with the same example uh, off the bat. Uh, JJ, go ahead. Well done. Hi Axel. Hi Doman. Um, yesterday, when we started to hear about these attacks coming out of Dnipro, one of the first things that I heard people say in this room is to expect um, an increase in mis and disinformation. Um, and indeed, we saw through. Um, the evening and early morning, um, just an incredible number of trolls come into this room. And my question is to Osent and to Slava. Um, I'd love to know what they are seeing out there um, already in terms of mis- and disinformation. And if they have suggestions as to how the average person can push back on that. Thanks. Osent, maybe you first. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, first and foremost is the fact that we are calling that out is fundamentally disruptive to their operations. Um, it, like, they prey on the idea that we don't know it's coming. And, and to be frankly honest, like, I have to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, in normal spaces, not like this, that aren't uh, you know, poli sci smart and whatnot. It it does work. It, it works pr- pretty well. Um, so, it, I guess the question is really like, if you're trying to defend the whole country's perception uh, from you know troll farm activity, that is way harder than trying to say, hey, how can a closed network of of you know roughly the same ideology people defend against it? Um, the Russian troll networks are very specifically designed as an information operation at a military scale to specifically target large voter groups. They're intended to cause domestic upheaval. They're not intended to cause specific outcomes. They're actually intended to cause chaos. And so um, honestly, in in spaces like this, I think it's almost a non-factor because we know it's coming. And when you see it, you're like, oh, duh. It's almost validating versus when you see it in, out in the open, it is very much like the QAnon and like the other, uh, you know, things that gain social inertia. Um, there's a lot of mission planning that goes on in on that, on the, on their side. And they're very good at human intelligence. They're very good at disinformation. They're not very good at other things, thank God. Uh, but uh, that is one category where at a certain point, like I don't think the West has, a great counterpoint to, to be frankly honest, but, and, and that's probably a factor of us not having control of media, control of narrative, control of all these things because we're a free society. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And I will try to answer from, from this side. Uh, so, uh, so I also mentioned that uh, for me, for example, uh, Russian propaganda and trolls uh, do not affect me, but it is, uh, if it is my, uh, like, uh, saying, not unique example, but for, for just for Ukrainian, Ukrainian Ukrainians, we are not a factor for, to this. Like for us, it's like a, any the arguments, any attacks, they do not work. They do not provoke, and they do not provoke us. So, just directed for me, I do not uh, lo- do not walk into look what they saying i totally ignore it i don't uh, don't uh, look don't go looking for the what they saying in the telegrams or other channels uh, i have no interest because they do not, it is not affecting directly directly me so, so uh, they do not change my mind but how what i understand uh, uh, what the purpose of, of this trolling and purpose of this uh, attacks is most likely to the persons not to the people who are not Ukrainians or maybe weak-minded Ukrainians. We still have this in Ukraine, uh, unfortunately, but it is less and less. But uh, how I understand this, uh, and you should understand, uh, you never gonna, when they try to convince you, providing some arguments, uh, history facts, uh, maybe some pictures, have some like uh, a lot of the information, you should know that uh, it is directed at you. There is no, you cannot change their mind. Uh, 
it is totally directed at you. They're having fun. If you start to defend Ukraine, maybe the Ukrainians, maybe try to argue with them. As I said yesterday, I'm trying to constantly remind, you cannot approach Russian troll, Russian um, people, because you never know when you listen to the troll or, or have conversation with the troll. You never know, do you have conversation with a regular Russian or maybe FSB agent? So keep in mind that it is directed at you and you never gonna change their mind. You cannot approach with your uh, civilized, uh, Western educated mind to these people. So they doing their job, they get paid mostly, I think, and that's it. And what I really start to like, this NAFO. NAFO is, I see that they doing great job. They uh, like a force that have different approach to this, misinformation, disinformation, troll. They do in this different way and I like it. This like a more, like I'm not just to say humane because a lot of the animals are there, but it look, looks really funny and it's working. For, so, <clears throat> sorry. So uh, trolls in my life do not exist. I do not, look, ho, ho, do not go looking for them, but when I somehow cross them, uh, they cannot provoke me. They cannot, uh, I do not argue with them. I just listen, um, trying to understand what they're doing, but do not affect me. And I hope you are prepared uh, to not get distracted uh, when they provide a lot of information because it's like this is the way they force, they bombard you with information and you just losing it or you get angry or, or you just uh, uh, lose uh, ground because you don't know what to say, but be prepared. But I would recommend uh, do not engage with any conversation with the troll because they know what they're doing, but you cannot always withstand their attack. Thank you. Thank you, Slava. Uh, JJ, do you have a follow-up? I do, because Slava mentioned NAFO, and that has been um, quite a fun counter-trolling experience to observe. And so I guess I'm wondering if Slava um, has other examples um, throughout um, the last four and a half, close to five months, that um, other people, other countries, or Ukrainians have counter-trolled um, that have um, made him proud, made him laugh, if that makes any sense. Thanks. Uh, actually, in Ukraine, and Ukrainians, how they react, uh, they react with a lot of the memes and a lot of the uh, humor. And it's not directed to the Russia. So uh, in Ukraine, we do not uh, have this focus on the Russia. We actually don't... Uh, have no, we have no interest what these officials or regular Russians saying uh, towards Ukraine. So we are when making fun of them. One great example is Ternenko. He's, I can recommend, but he's in Ukrainian, but he's making a lot of the fun from this, starting from this like a Hlubki, like a cotton, it was in this morning, we also with the, this new, uh, let's say, my friend, in this space, uh, Cibulia, uh, the very, very funny, that maybe you don't know, maybe Domen, maybe you know Domen about the cotton, meaning Hlubki, Hlupok. No, no, I, I don't actually know. You don't know, oh, exactly, so I repeat, so we had this fun, uh, when the war war started and uh, a lot of the problems and trouble was on the uh, Ukrainian side on the Ukrainian territory and when the something started to burn in the Russia uh, they saw uh, they saw consumed this self-censorship that they cannot say that this expo explosion or something is burning they uh, constantly saying that this hlo, uh, in the Russian hlopok uh, oh I get it now, yeah, okay 
so chlopok is to translate to the English, it's like a pub, pubs, 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 pubs. Not explosion, but pubs, because pubs is like a more harmless. It's like oh, something happened. It's like a pubs. But Ukrainians also know that chlopok is so uh, another meaning in the Russia. It's like a, translating to the English. It's a cotton. So we have a, a lot of the uh, fun. When something is started to bomb, uh, burning or exploding in the Russia, uh, we saying, "Oh, we, uh, enough of the cotton was provided to the Russia." So they have enough of the cotton. So every uh, when you see or hear that something exploding in the Russia, you you just know Ukrainian providing cotton to the Russia. Just a, a good will uh, gesture. We we providing them with the cotton, so uh, and we really glad to have more cotton in the Russia. So we just uh, caring about the Russians so well. They have, they have no enough cotton, so we providing them, and uh, a lot of the fun, a lot of the fun was not just focusing on the Russia. A lot of the Olaf Scholz, Macron, uh, memes all around, but I, I also noticed. They are so smart and uh, using this uh, language, uh, um, um, the, the dialects uh, from the West and other uh, parts of the Ukraine that cannot be translated to just regular language like uh, English because it's like a too 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 much work. But it's really fun. It's like a uh, uplifting Ukrainian spirit that. Uh, it's like a, we we cannot be harmed but by these uh, trolls. They for us is harmless. So thank you. Thank you, Slava Karini. No, it's it's good to it's good to know that uh, you're unaffected and the most Ukrainians are completely unaffected by this uh, you know, Russian nonsense floating around the, the internet. But it was a discovery for me. This NAFO, I it completely it's like uh, maybe two weeks ago I discovered it. And I see that it's more and more going around. It looks like it's working. It's like an interesting phenomena for me. I did not, did not know about it at all. Thank you. I think it's important to note that uh, most Russian troll activity in the past has been pretty permissive. Like it's just been able to do its thing. Uh, but now that we're in an environment where the United States and NATO is actively involved and is paying close attention, um, which it's crazy to say because previous attacks were like on U.S. elections. But either way, now it's more involved. And uh, anytime those actors are at play, it's not like a loose conglomeration of non-state aligned actors. Uh, troll farms are actively aligned to state security apparatuses of Russia. And so there is a cost that comes at play whenever they start acting because it enables Western powers, especially the United States, to start characterizing, analyzing, and potentially even counterattacking without them knowing uh, most of their ingress methodologies. And, and, and that is probably almost like a hidden advantage because in a way you have Russian trolls trying to influence U.S., and uh, Western European thinking, the Ukrainians are basically like, yeah, screw that. I don't care at all. Uh, most Europeans and Americans aren't that influenced. They're nowhere near as influenced as they used to be uh, by Russian narratives. And meanwhile, the high activity is being taken advantage of by the security apparatus of the West by using it to forensically determine how the Russians are doing it and potentially dismantle it. And really, the, the aim that the Russians have in, in the West right, is very different from the aim that they have in Ukraine. The aim that they have in the West is primarily division, 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 um, amplifying the fringes, amplifying the extremes, trying to get uh, the extremes to, to appear overly popular, right? Whereas in, in, in Ukraine, they try to you know more actively, say, dissuade the population, dissuade the population from a willingness to fight. Now, obviously, they've fallen flat on their faces in, in Ukraine, right? Uh, because very clearly, the Ukrainian populace has no interest in uh, letting go of their country and letting go of the people in occupied territories. 
uh, but nevertheless, they, they've been trying. And I think this is partially why um, the response that Russians seem to have now is is ever more openly um, and ever more openly genocidal rhetoric. Right. Obviously, the rhetoric was was always very openly genocidal. Hell, you know, we all saw what Putin wrote uh, last summer, right, uh, saying effectively that Ukrainians don't have a right to exist and that they're a fake nation and didn't have a right to choose for themselves. Of course, the rhetoric from that respect was always openly genocidal. Um, but it seemed as though a lot of the Kremlin outlets, a lot of the propaganda was a lot more tame. Right, bringing a lot more false flag uh, ideas into into the information sphere, and a lot more uh, subtlety, a lot more tr- attempts at legitimization in the Western world specifically. Uh, but that that seems to have really gone by the wayside at this point. And I would like to note another thing. Uh, thank you to JJ because she brought, uh, she made me think because uh, about this situation because. Uh, I uh, even I speak uh, in this space, but I know uh, started to uh, catch myself on this that a lot of the information I see um, in Ukraine, uh, I think that you know it. Like uh, when I talk in this space, I I like uh, I mostly feel like I know you, but. You don't know what really, really is happening in the informational space in Ukraine, but I forget it. So I'm sorry for that. So uh, thank you, JJ. She allowed me to remember that what is really happening. So for trolls, for us, like are not existing. So maybe someone uh, come across these trolls, but it's a harmless. But what uh, started to happen like uh, maybe a month ago, uh, uh, when we had the situation with the Ovsyanikova, when we have situation with the, uh, another Russian, like, uh, but he's pro-Ukrainian, but that journalist, but he's like uh, now a re- uh, citizen of Ukraine. Uh, another thing that is still happening, and a lot of the Russian started to live, uh, live in the Russia, and migrating to Ukraine and other countries. Uh, earlier, I heard from the Boris. Uh, he in the space says that so good Russians start to speak against the war. They have own channels. Yes, but uh, we notice another thing that in Ukraine, uh, a lot of the uh, who left Russia now uh, feeling really well in Ukraine, and they. Uh, uh, making appearances in the some channels, uh, TV channels, and they feeling what we're noticing, they feel really uh, free. What they cannot say in the Russia, they know really free to say in the Ukrainian channel. And they feel they feel like Ukrainians do not notice. They uh, irritate us because how Russian, like, he's not troll, but he's not looking, not even, he just looks strange. I don't know. His appearance strange. I don't want to comment. For me, it's not not like me. I do not uh, comment on appearance. But we he, we just notice Ukrainians that his looks even strange. But his love to provide his uh, confidence that he's feeling in Ukraine very confident that he's gonna do not be sh- shut up because he can f- free uh, express himself and we notice it also sternenko notice it and that a lot of the russian who left uh, russia now really feeling well in ukraine but they forgot they cannot say a lot of the stuff about ukrainians and they this this is a uh, like a problem uh, new problem I, I would say in ukraine uh, that they provo- when they come from the russia they come with this imperialistic uh, view of the world and they keep uh, re- repeating it but i think they, with the time they understand they cannot do this anymore so i just wanted to share it because uh, for you maybe you do not notice it but in ukraine it's happening it's like a Maybe not new danger, but it's Ukrainians, it is irritating. Like I said before, 
trolls do not irritate us, but when you in Ukraine, in Russia, and keep uh, something saying about Ukrainians and maybe trying to teach us how to uh, how to live, and this is can be a problem. So thank you. Thank you, Slava. Um, Osin, did you have something to add here? Uh, no, I'll get on collecting back from uh, having relogged in. Got it. JJ. I was actually um, going to ask Osin another question, but I'll put it to you um, and Axel first, Doman. Um, since there has been um, a considerable amount of time now since the attack yesterday, I'm wondering if there are any um, narratives that are starting to show up um, consistently that um, are going to need debunking? And I, th- I think that's a good question. Um, all I've seen was, well, there was the usual uh, uh, Russian uh, stuff about, oh, these were all military targets anyway, and um, which, which clearly isn't true, or we missed, right? Um, there, there's a few Russian propagandists that, that went out with that. Uh, but I think what a lot of it actually is, is, is the ever greater uh, realization um, the ever greater realization within Russia, it seems, uh, that there's no point in even pretending anymore. Um, and there, I've seen a lot more after Dnipro and also after Vinitsa before that, a lot more than usual uh, cases of Russians saying, you know, it's what we wanted to do all along. Uh, we just want to kill Ukrainians. Ukrainians don't deserve to live. It's a lot more of that narrative. Oh, JJ left it. Maybe more audio trouble. Uh, we've been having a lot of glitches uh, today. Uh, anyway, but a lot more of the response of wholesale is what we wanted to do all along. We're just doing what we wanted to do all along. Uh, Ukrainians can't do anything about it. We would just keep murdering and genociding Ukrainians. They don't say genociding, but you know, the other words that they use are, uh, let's say I'm sanitizing it in other ways in the first place. So, I don't know. Olsen, did you see a particular response yet? Or Slava? No, not for me. No. Um, Slava, I have another question for you. I just sent you a, a link to a tweet in DMs. Um, apparently in Mariupol, a convoy of some 100 Russian vehicles has been seen moving uh, towards Zaporizhia, that is, you know, t- towards the northwest. Um, have you heard anything along those lines? Any any thoughts on it? It was just published by uh, Yulia Mendel, who used to be a presidential spokesperson um, and in the last few minutes. Uh, thank you. I received it. Uh, so uh, I have a few points uh, about this news. Uh, cannot confirm it. Did not heard it. But would like to say about Yulia Mendel. She like um, also to be cautious what she's saying, what she's posting, because she was controversial in even in the time when she was third uh, uh, official with the uh, Zelensky. So I don't cannot verify, but be cautious because she's like a love to be in the light of the camera, in the light of the. Um, she like be popular, so cannot say more because I don't know. Thank you. I see. Uh, thank you, Slava. Um, I think that it was also uh, in a number of well. I see Informator Ukraina Telegram channel that, that seems to be the one uh, uh, posting this. And this is a Russian-speaking Telegram channel, I can tell from, from the way they form things. Uh, but they, they've you know, documented this convoy, let's say. Uh, and apparently this was yesterday, and also the advisor to the mayor of Mariupol, uh, Petro Andrushchenko, uh, was the one... Uh, putting it forth as well, as in he was commenting on it as well. So it's not just it's not just Julia Minton. But but thank you for the thank you for the word. Uh, just a little bit of a public service announcement. Um, uh, you should note uh, that apparently there was an update for Android today, and whenever there is an update like that, uh, it often means um, there's a there's more there's more glitches that we're experiencing. Uh, that might be also why there's few people listening and few people coming up because uh, often we simply can't see requests apparently when uh, this happens. So if you have an Android, uh, please make sure that you update your uh, device uh, because Twitter Spaces sometimes doesn't work with older versions of Twitter very well. I mean, you can usually listen, but sometimes interacting with the rest of it uh, doesn't work very well. Uh, and also if you have an iPhone, maybe simply until there's an update for iPhones, 
um, outage sometimes lags about a day after the Android update, it's all a little bit more of a mess. So, um, you know, great. What you wanted to say, if you have an Android, you can always get an iPhone. Uh, y- yes, but, but also, you know, if you have an Android, maybe make sure that your uh, phone is up to date because sometimes we just can't can't see people. Earlier, we like we had four speakers suddenly vanish off of the panel all at the same time. I don't know. Android, the most compromised open platform uh, insidiously infiltrated by Russian hackers. Well done, you. Yeah, no, that, that happens, of course. I would like to add uh, some information I remember about the Kherson in this interview, Kherson uh, region, uh, that uh, what uh, occupiers uh, threaten people uh, that if they gonna protest against the, uh, this like a Russian mir, they gonna be deported. But what's in question? Where they gonna be deported? Meaning deported to Ukraine or deported to the Russia. It's like a new threat because it's like a, they enforce it uh, with like a law. So people be afraid. And this maybe there's a reason that after 3 p.m. people just sit at home because do not want to go uh, come across this Russia. So it's like in Kherson situation is getting worse. But about the Zaporizhia, I heard it about it that was some reports that also, situation getting like uh, harder, but about this like a convoy, it's in my channels where I can uh, gather news, it's still nothing. So thank you. Understood. Thank you, Slava Green. Mark, when you can uh, hear me, go straight ahead. Hey, more, more, more dishes as, uh, as we were noting. Okay, let's try again. I know, absolutely gripping radio. Well, we're trying to get people up and connected. Mark, go ahead. Yes, hey, Doman. Good afternoon to you. Um, I, I just wanted to come on and uh, compliment you and Axel. You really have a great rapport about it. And, and, and uh, you do a great job of keeping the focus on Ukraine, which is very admirable, keeping, keeping straight conversations off. But... If, if you could indulge me just for a moment, I'd like to take the focus off of Ukraine and on both you and Axel. I am I, I, continually in awe of the Walter Report and how you guys keep the information flow going better than any other form of media by far. So I'm just kind of curious, have, have you and Axel known each other before February 24th and and, nope. and um, any relationship with Walter before then? No, no, none, none at all. Uh, I knew no one around here uh, from before February 24th. Uh, there's a few people who listened to the space whom I've known previously because I've told them about the space, but I don't think anybody actually came up and spoke yet. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's my... Uh, no, I've never met anyone uh, previously who's associated with the space at all. Uh, none, none at all. Um, Wow. Actually, I think you, you were in a similar situation to me, right? Just <laughs> That's kind of... true. We, we ended up listening to the space with Walter and uh, Yehuda being on. And that, um, yeah, that did it. So that was the most interesting part about it. It is amazing. And, and I don't mean to sound so patronized, but it's just amazing how you guys have come together in gel. Um, if I could, and again... This veers off the topic of Ukraine just a little bit, but but there is something there. I uh, 33 years ago, I had the life-changing experience of visiting family members in Ukraine that I never ever met before, and it was the impact on me was. Oop, can you? Are you okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Um, yeah, I just got a message saying the connection was lost. So it was it was just this wonderful experience. And to hear, I went with my father who left during the Second World War and hadn't been back since for fear of Russian reprisal if he ever came back. But that's a little besides the point. And I would like to do the trip again. Um, at the time, we drove from, from the UK, you know, across Paris, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Poland, in, into... Uh, uh, Western Ukraine. If, if we were to do that again, say fly into Paris, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year planning a trip to visit those same family members and 
as almost a, like a gesture to start pumping money into the Ukrainian. And now we lost Mark. Uh, I think Mark's having connection issues on his own side, and that's probably why uh, we have lost him a few times now. But we are generally all in favor for people traveling next year into Ukraine and spending money there and making connections with people yet again. Because by next year, Ruski Mir will be gone. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a little point in, say, war tourism right now um, that can just you know, strain resources additionally unnecessarily. Uh, but once uh, peace thoroughly breaks out, absolutely. absolutely. It's a great idea to uh, kind of help out kickstart the Ukrainian economy once again. Ben, welcome back. Are we getting Mark back? Or? We, we are, I'm trying to get Mark back, but in, in the meantime, uh, let's have some other people speak. Okay, I will try while well, this moment. Also, I uh, remember that uh, just this morning, uh, a lot of the talk was about the SUM. So SUM was also uh, like a shelf. And uh, for people, is no recommendation uh, to or try to stay in the safe place or just leave uh, Sumi uh, because it's like a uh, close uh, few days. Is like a not prediction, but looks like it's gonna be some problems there. So it's like it also was noted. Just remember, so maybe someone in Sumi who listened this. I hope it's a gonna be safe. Thank you. Thank you, Slavo. And the, that's what Russians have been doing for for a while now, right? For the last month and a half or so, um, a lot of these areas that were freed of Russian occupation and Chernih- around Chernihiv and around Sumy, the border areas keep being shelled with uh, usually mortar fire, but also sometimes other artillery, uh, just so as to a tie Ukrainian forces and b you now to to send a message to Ukrainians that uh, you know, even though the Russians have left that they're still not safe from uh, the kindness and generosity of the Ruskimir. Exactly, exactly. They like are keeping, uh, keep reminding us that we are not safe and this all attacks in, on Vinnitsa, Dnipro, like assuring that they can reach, they can damage places that are felt like a safe. Because I saw a video from the Dnipro uh, people just in in Vinnitsa, Vinnitsa, people just uh, doing this on regular life, doing going to work, maybe some other things. They just living life and just right away strike and that's it. Life is uh, lost. So they doing this genocide. Thank you. Precisely. Um, ben, good morning. Welcome up. I guess that's us. Is is that is that right? Yes, yes, so it I is. Have, have have yet to have the morning coffee or any pastries or anything because that's the mood I'm in this morning. I need some good, terrible breakfast <laughs> to to wallow in. But yes, we woke up and immediately turned on NPR because I wasn't quite ready for support, thinking I could you know hear some regular generic news. And on was on point with Magna Chuck Navardi, and she has a. Uh, producer or the uh, director of uh, the Eichmann tapes and the comforting myth of the banality of evil, a documentary that's going to be coming out later on this year. And uh, in, in it, they're discussing how truly Eichmann, Eichmann was not banal and that this, this was what he engineered and just thinking of everything that's going on now and how people are so numb and and this going on with their everyday lives and how can this be the case and even i feel like we are not doing enough and we spent what wednesday doing something happy driving a refugee and his mom to new york to the ukrainian uh, consulate so that they could get their passports renewed only for a year um and got the joy of seeing him hang out our car window, uh, taking photographs of Times Square and uh, taking selfies and uh, everything a lovely teenager thinks to do these days and the joy and, 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 and seeing also them being shocked at just how large Manhattan is and how tall the buildings are. But we also got to drive by the UN because it's only a two streets 
from the uh, consulate and wave Ukrainian flags and just try and say, pay attention, we're here, you need to do something. And there happened to be a, a, a gigantic group exiting and we finally got some acknowledgement. But I don't know, I'm, I guess I wake up and I'm just in shock. Even that at this point in time, there's stuff about Eichmann still being discussed. Um, anyways, you have anything to add, Ben? <laughs> Just that people are so willing to go along and to look for an excuse or a way out to say, well, maybe I don't have to care about this today. Or maybe I don't have to lift a finger or maybe this will go away. And, and Or to even to worse, even to buy into a lie or a, or ignoring the truth or propaganda and how much of an uphill battle, but a worthwhile one it is to fight against and to swim against the apathy and against the misinformation, but it has to be done. And yeah, I guess we come from, I said, I don't come from this because Ben is, you know, the, the, the documentary, I think the producer said he's a third generation survivor. Um, and I was like, Oh, Ben, so does that make you a third? We always have this discussion. I actually uh, asked what's the, you know, definition of someone whose family escaped or survived and they said oh yeah you're still considered part of the group so ben's family's he's a third generation survivor and i said that is, doesn't even matter to me i was like that before i'm always the person who does a little bit of something because i try something different yet i still feel like i am awful and not doing enough so anyways <laughs> thank you very much Thank yeah. you for that. Um, I have a quick, quick question on the NPR in the morning. Did, did they mention the strikes in Dnipro last night at all? No, this is a, a separately produced show that I think they they right. you know, probably tape at a different time. And and uh, there's actually two stations here in Boston. You didn't hear the top of so the So we hour. didn't hear the, the, the news of the hour, which is why. Oh, and I, we, did, we did hear, um, well, we were on listening to Walter report last night and scrolling through Twitter. So I got to see, you know, the strikes fairly quickly after, as they were happening, hit Twitter. So yeah, we did. Understood. And we actually, the, pre, the previous uh, refugee we were helping was actually a professor and his wife from Nipro. So yeah, I don't even know what university um, he worked at. Um, uh, I'm always forgetting his Mikolai. name. Mikolai. Mikolai was a computer science professor at one of the universities in Dnipro. So, um, yeah, and we helped them uh, settle in uh, about a, a month and a half ago. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank okay. you both for that. I'll, I'll just note a, a, short, a short bit of news. Um, another uh, explosion on Chernobylka today, by the way, for anybody who's wondering. Uh, it's been two days, of course. Uh, no, it's... Uh, it's going to be high mercy clock in Chernobylka a whole lot. Um, Peter, Peter. Yes, mic check. Yeah, I can I can hear you. Go ahead. Great. Um, so um, there was an article in uh, the, the a Norwegian newspaper now that uh, uh, referred to the Norwegian government's decision to evacuate five hundred and fifty heavily wounded Ukrainians to Norway and give them medical treatment, uh, including rehabilitation and so forth. Uh, and apparently only about uh, 70 of these 550 spots, if you will, uh, like, have been taken. And uh, and they interviewed the, the, the person, the government uh, representative in charge of this program. And he said something like, yeah, you know, these uh, guys, they can frequently choose between uh, several options and they tend to go places that are closer to Ukraine. Um, and that's why we haven't treated more Ukrainians. And uh, I was a bit surprised because I, I, I wouldn't think that the need for medical treatment of heavy injuries is filled to satisfaction. So I would think that all these 550 spots would be in high demand. But I'm wondering whether anyone on the space knows anything about that situation. Because if if the 
if it's more that you know the Norwegian government isn't promoting this properly, isn't give, you know hasn't told enough people about the option, then I'd like to try to do that so that uh, people who need to be treated can be treated. I mean, I, Peter, I am in agreement with you. I highly doubt that there is um, that, that the need is fulfilled adequately and completely. Right? Uh, I am much like you. I think that it's very likely that there are indeed um, you know, plenty of people who could have benefited from this and, and just didn't didn't get to it. Um, I I don't understand why um, there wouldn't be more people interested, you know, and why there wouldn't be more people for whom it is that there is interest to be uh, sent to Norway. It's not as though Norway is particularly far away either, right? It's it's not like Norway is the other side of the world or the other side of an ocean. It's only, what, a two-hour flight from, say, Kiev to uh, uh, to to Oslo, for example, right? Like once you're in southern Poland, you might as well. It doesn't, it's not much of a difference if you are taken to, say, Germany or to, uh, or to Norway. Oh, Osint, um, if you're, are you around? Uh, there's a question for you from uh, well, 40 minutes ago, whether you've had some technical difficulties in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, I'm around. So there's a question for you. It's kind of a speculative question, but I hope that you'll entertain it. Um, uh, when attackers arrive to Ukraine, hypothetically, you were to choose, uh, but you only get to choose one target. Would you choose A, the docks in Sevastopol, B, the Kerch Bridge, or C, something else? Oh, that's hard. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I guess the, the prime answer is if I only got to choose one target, I wouldn't deliver the Atakums. But uh, the, <laughs> if I had to, uh, it would be the bridge. The, the docks are to <clears throat> the, the, the target set that would make them substantially worthwhile is to fleeting and and circumstantial and there is a psychological element that goes alongside with the bridge so are you saying that the Sevastopol docks unless the kilos are there being reloaded it's not necessarily the best target I think that the people that would be able to tell in a timely manner with actionable data that there are things worth hitting may not be willing to give that data in a timely manner uh for that like i i think that 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 would be a very complex situation uh so that because the the western partners even though they feed intelligence like there's some types of intelligence that are going to be you know uh indicative of them being able to do things they shouldn't be able to do and and a lot of any subsurface maneuvering or or submarine type action um usually takes into account counterintelligence type of things and so us being able to see anything like that would probably factor into the category of shit we shouldn't be able to see. Uh, <laughs> and that starts to become harder days of the past with a longer timeline, which makes that the, the data itself less actionable and less likely to have lethal effects. So th- there's a lot of factors that go into that. Do you reckon one would be sufficient to damage the Kurdish bridge enough for it to be worth it, though? Because... Obviously, the the, the uh, warhead is a lot more substantial in one of those than it is in, say, a caliber. But we also saw how many caliber strikes there have been against the much smaller bridge at Zatoka, and how you know Ukrainians have been managed have, have managed to just fix it up. I think that any attackums delivery would probably be accompanied with both Western intelligence and Western weaponeering, and our weaponeering would definitely take into account construction material analysis probably hyperspectral level stuff. And in short, no, I don't think a single uh, warhead would be applicable to any structure. I think that that is oversimplification. Like when you see people talking about dropping JDAM or basic bombs onto, or even standoff munitions onto uh, like runways in order to do like runway cratering for anti uh, aircraft generation, sortie generation, like, all those things are oversimplified when you actually look at how they really impact the surface materials, the cement, the, like you, you to do a scientific analysis of the target set. It usually requires more munitions than people think. And so true weaponeering is usually a little more munition heavy. That being said, I don't think we will deliver ATACMs until we have a very specific target set, timing, tempo, and weaponeering in mind. Honestly, I don't think the, the Ukrainians will have a whole lot of work to do in the first uh, volley of problem sets. 
I don't know. It's all personal opinion, but I think likely the West would provide not only the weapons, but a optimized target packaging and say, hey, here's probably what I would do if I were you when they hand them over. Understood. Understood. And at this point, anybody else who might have a, a thought to share, just click that request button in the bottom left corner of your screen. Uh, thought the question, whatever whatever else, similar. Uh, but I, for one, am, am very excited about the news yesterday. The, the suggestion from the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense that indeed attack him, right, with the longer range, with the much larger warheads are uh, strongly in consideration and discussions about about them are uh, nearing conclusion because uh, I'd be very happy to uh, see those, uh, rather the effects of those in the occupied territories in Ukraine. I think it's worth noting that like within the Western powers, especially within the United States, the Russian messaging of escalation control has been fairly successful, which I think is probably why to a large degree, there's been, um, I think there's multiple reasons, but it's, it's one of the reasons that I think there's been a controlled and metered approach to how many weapons and at what time we give those weapons to the Ukrainians. Because I think within the internal domestic politics in the congressional level, there's probably a bit of argument about, are we doing too much? Because some of them have been swayed by Russian messaging. And the beauty of this is that we've in- incrementally persuaded internally enough to give more and more and more. And the Ukrainians have used them so uh, professionally uh, that I think it is rapidly approaching the level where no level of Russian messaging is going to overcome the fact that we're calling a bluff. Like we don't think they will go to any extreme level, like using a tactical nuke or something yet we're willing to, you know, give over weapons because we've now demonstrated like even high Mars was, I mean, it pissed them off, but it didn't like make them go nuclear. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think ATACMS is, is a long uh, way away. No. And there's no need for, for any such, you know, over overwhelming, uh, and CBRN, uh, resources, right. Uh, it's, I, I would say perfectly, perfectly enough. Uh, to keep this as a conventional war because Ukraine can win this as a conventional war if it's provided with sufficient equipment and technology to do so. Uh, Peter? Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I know. I, I think we're in agreement on that. Peter? So I'm wondering why uh, Reznikov uh, said out loud that he thinks they're going to get the attack him. So I'm assuming that uh, the, he doesn't just... Uh, you know, blabber. So there was a thought behind uh, stating that. And uh, um, I'm, I, one speculation I have is that uh, uh, if they're going to strike the bridge first, then that, the, the, the Russians cannot move the bridge. So there's no uh, advantage for the Russians to advance the warning. But being warned that these weapons may be coming may uh, um, lead the Russians to, to start moving uh, ammunition depots.